Hi, this is D at Black Girls Do Everything, and it is, it has been quite a week. This week, history was made, perhaps even greater than our current vice president. A police officer, Chauvin, was convicted on all three counts after the world watched him with his knee on George Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. It broke millions of hearts around the world. And if you ask yourself, what has that got to do with our situation as women of color? We must recognize that what happens to our men happens to us. What happens to our men happens to our sons, our nephews, our cousins, our fathers, our brothers. Many of us live with that fear of what could happen in a police stop to one of our, our loved, beloved, beloved, family members. And I get emotional talking about it because it's such an overwhelming thing that has been going on for hundreds of years. And as an American, my focus is on what happens in America, in the United States. But this trial, this incident lit a fire Across the world, there have been protests over what was done, the murder of George Floyd in countries that we never even gave as much thought about that they were dealing with the difficulties of racism the way that we're dealing with it here. And, and it may be different how they're dealing with it, how it manifests itself. You know, I'm a native New Yorker. I was born and raised on Long Island, and it's very subtle there. It wasn't as overt. There were some instances in my childhood and school. There were some instances in my working life. But, you know, my, my cousin says, you know, on Long Island, they'll invite you over for dinner and poison you. You know, you go to the Deep South, and, you know, they'll curse you out coming through the door and shoot you in the yard or, you know, they're just upfront with it. Whereas on Long Island, you just never know. And one of the worst parts of this political legacy of the last four years is how it's made us question, many of us question, the true nature of our friendships with people who are not of color, who do not consider themselves to be of color is probably the best term to use. And that is disheartening and sad, but it is the reality that you think you know and trust and love and care about someone, and then, you know, I'm sitting across the aisle from them in the sanctuary, and then I see all this stuff online from them and their family members in support of this person who perpetuates racism and sexism and misogyny, a hatred of women and 
And I'm like, really? Maybe I really don't know you. And that was just heartbreaking on many, many levels for many of us. Because it takes so much sometimes for some people. I meet people who are not open to people from other cultures and other races in their lives. And then you open up through various activities. You meet people. You have similar interests. Your kids are playing, you know, sports together and, and you're having play dates and all these different things. You're going out on school trips and you make friends all different kinds of ways. And you open yourself up to something that you really might never have thought about before. I wasn't raised in, in a segregated home. My mother would, worked with people. She was usually the only person of color where she worked. So her coworkers and her friends tended to not be black people. And so once you're exposed to all different kinds of people, you kind of just don't care about that as much. It's just not as important. You don't look at the goodness or the badness of a person based on their race or their color, the color of their skin. But this, this four years, this past four years has brought out an ugliness that is just beyond belief and it it really was always here it was always an undercurrent but george floyd made us aware that it's everywhere and you know perhaps yes it's because of colonialization you know that england and these different countries went out and and built colonies all over the world so their value system is in all of these different places that they invaded. So that's part of the reason why the same ugliness is perpetrated in so many different places so far apart. But um, I have to be honest, I didn't watch the video. I couldn't watch the video. I Once I saw the picture and I kept hearing and seeing the picture and hearing and seeing the picture, I couldn't watch the video. Um, I don't have a son, but I have three daughters and I have a grandson and my heart was breaking for his family, for his loved ones. And when I heard about it and hadn't even seen the picture yet and heard that he cried out for his mother, um, in my soul, I'm like, he was dying. He was calling for his mother. So that that man could be so heartless that he felt like that wasn't a human being that he was being abusive to is really, really on the, the far, far outreaches of, of just crazy and, and, and out of control and, and unbelievable. And so then we have this trial and everyone's got bated breath. Because I'll admit, I truly did not believe he would be convicted. Too many police officers have been tried and not convicted. So I just, you know, here we go again. And and I'm still a little skeptical, I'll be honest. I'm still feeling like there could be an appeal. There could be this, there could be that, you know. But we shall see. But the main thing about all of this, to me, is something that I ha heard from um, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said, and that was, we have to move from 
the the uh, protest into policy reform. And that truly is where we need to be looking and directing ourselves. Uh, many months ago, uh, Governor Cuomo here talked about they were giving uh, like a six-month moratorium or six months for people to get together in groups in different sectors of New York and talk about what they wanted. What kind of change in policing did they want? What kind of commissions did they want to put together? What kind of task force? What kind of oversight? And I haven't really heard much of anything about that. So I'm interested to see where that has evolved, if that has evolved, if they have allowed changes to occur or if it was just talk. So I'm hoping for some positivity to come out of this, for some positive actions to come out of this. And I'm curious as to what other people think. You know that you can contact me here in the app. I would love to hear your opinions and your suggestions and um, how you feel about this. I know a lot of people don't want to talk politics and, you know, you have your right to feel that way. But a lot of us want to stay on top of what's going on without getting burnt out and, and over saturated with this information because it's like on a loop and it's constant and it's beating you and it's beating you and it's beating you. And I understand that, that some of us are just sensitive and empathic and, and it's just heartbreaking. And so it becomes overwhelming. So we're going to, you know, deal with it in our fashion in small doses and still carry on the conversation, still be aware of what's going on and how it affects us. And I would like to have a conversation about what we can do about these things. So let me take a quick break and I will get right back to you. Hi, it's Dee and we're back. Today is the 24th. April 24th, and it is National Sexual Abuse Awareness Day. Um, I heard that on uh, Series XM a little while ago, and he was just warning women to be careful today because uh, some men were giving it a different name, and I'm not even going to uh, honor that with uh, repeating what he said, but we, you know... It's not a holiday, but we give these, we acknowledge these things in our life that need to be worked on and that we need to be aware of and not be dismissive and put them in the closet. So that's really the only reason that I'm mentioning it, um, because so many of us are survivors and need to know that we're not alone, that there are places and people that can help you. Most areas have mobile mental health available to you when you can't afford to go and get treatment or you're working and you don't have that time open you feel for that, that you can contact mobile mental health when you're having a crisis 
and someone will talk to you and it's at no charge. Call your mental health center, your local mental health association. And, you know, don't be ashamed. Don't don't um, worry about it being anonymous. It is. There are safe homes type organizations around the country, around the world, where you can get to safety. You can talk to someone who can tell you how to set up a plan to get to safety. And that is important for you to share with someone you may suspect that something is going on. And let me tell you, one of the best things you can do when you feel like, I don't know what to do, because a woman's pride will keep her from reaching out for help and for letting her loved ones and her friends know her pride. Um, Abuse, sexual, physical, verbal abuse is not just relegated on poor, ignorant, stupid women. It happens to anyone and everyone. So if you have a friend and you suspect and you've kind of hinted at it and you've kind of asked questions and they've kind of not been honest with you, you know, you see bruises, you see hospital visits, you have witnessed verbal abuse, you've witnessed physical abuse, put it in your journal. That's one of the things that you can do to help a person when it becomes a legal issue. Your journal, your information that you put down, I saw a bruise this day and I spoke to so-and-so and she said, this is what happened and I didn't believe it. And I asked her if she'd gone for medical treatment and she said yes or she said no. Whatever, just a brief two or three sentences is a really good thing to do because these journals have been introduced in court to help people. A lot of people don't file with the police. And so then you get to the point where something extreme has happened and there's no backup to say this person's been going through this for five years, two years, three years, a year, six months, whatever. So your journal is a measure that the police can use and the prosecutor can use to confirm these dates and these things that they're saying are going on. Always, always in secret tell the person you know I don't have any problem saying I don't believe you I'm here for you if you need my help I will help you I've helped people I've had people stay in my home you know I risk my safety and my daughter's safety because someone that I helped one time one of the agreements was that he could never know where she stayed they lived in Brooklyn I lived in the Bronx we worked in Manhattan together And of course, he sweet-talked her back and then she brought him to my house to help her pack up and and leave. And when they were leaving, leaving, because I was in a five-flight walk-up and he had to go up and down and bring her stuff out and my daughter was playing outside and he made a point to walk away from her and come over to me and threaten me. And um, of course, in less than six months, she needed to come back and I couldn't take her back because, and I explained to her, you not only put me in jeopardy, but now my daughter's in jeopardy because he knows this place. So this is not your safe place. So just, you know, every system has rules and regulations. And 
I understand that there is a psychological pathology to being a victim and and you know he really loves me but you know you know he only does this when he gets upset and I'm going to go back to him and people will go back and back and back and back and back and and women end up dead so I'm not saying don't be open I would do it again where I am I would take in somebody from you know somewhere else if that's something that you can do there are things that you can do that are not that extreme is my point. <laughs> you can, you know, work at safe homes. You can uh, answer phones for them. They used to bounce calls to my line and I would talk to people at whatever hours of the night I was assigned to be on the phone. Um, I could meet people at a hotel and tell the uh, the manager, this is one of our people. They, you know, they'll give discount rates for you to stay. Certain hotels will do that for you. They're just different things and systems in place to help people. I understand that sometimes it feels like you just can't get out of that situation. You have a special needs child. You have so many children. You're overwhelmed with the idea of trying to do it on your own. You, you're not working full-time, you've been working part-time now, how are you going to work full-time and pay for an apartment and daycare and feed these kids? And there's a lot of things. So don't be, as an outsider, on the outside looking in and be judgmental about why someone has found themselves in this predicament in the first place. She's so smart, she's well-educated, she's got a so-so job. Just throw all of that out of the window and just be there if you're able to do that, because there are times in your life when you're not able to do that. And you have to be honest about that, too. You know, I had a friend with like seven or eight kids. No, I couldn't take her in. Uh, you know, I was in a bad place. It was just me and my daughter. And there, and I couldn't do it. I have done it a lot for a lot of different people. But you know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. And if you've been in this situation or your mother or sister have been, and men go through this too. Don't, don't get it twisted that men don't get abused. There are extremely physically and verbally abusive women out there. And a man can find himself in a bad situation where, and it won't just be, you know, he just got out of prison, but that's where I've encountered a lot of abuse because he's on parole, he's on um, probation and any little thing he does wrong, he can go back to jail and the person will use that against them. I have dealt with people who were married to get their papers. And I was unaware because I'd met so many men who'd done it that when I finally met a woman who did it and her husband was so abusive and trying to lock her in her house and all this, just so many crazy stories out there of what people have to go through that we have to be sensitive to that. We have to be non-judgmental. And, and this day is mentioned to make people aware that these situations are out there. It's important. It's, it's just something to be aware of. There's so many things I understand going on that we can't rally for everything. We can't be behind everything. But just be aware in your life when you see something going on, you know, the thing in New York is see something, say something, but you just 
you just can't ignore that because you don't want to be the person who saw it and saw it and saw it and saw it and never said anything and then she's dead so that's why and if you can't handle and you don't have you're not equipped to help then look up your local mobile mental health look up you know safe uh, homes and and give her a number and you don't have to put safe homes on it just just put s on it and and say you know this these are people you can talk to um if you feel like you know you can it, i understand that it's hard it's hard for some people i you know i don't know what your individual triggers are especially if you've been in that situation but i think if you've been in a situation it's what makes you want to bend even more to help someone so how did i switch from george floyd to that because i just don't want to talk about george floyd anymore it's just painful and disheartening um to even go into that um i did a podcast about brianna and i had promised that i would do a second one a follow-up and the there is no positive follow-up news that case is not moving where it needs to what needs to be happening is not happening so um i'm not going to go into that until i really have something to talk about <laughs> you know that i can bring you something positive um uh whether i shouldn't even say that positive or negative it's not going in any direction that will change the situation what happened there's no 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 police officers have no police officers have been arrested in Brianna's case for shooting and killing her a lot of things have been going on outside on the outskirts her boyfriend is free i believe he got a settlement her family got a settlement but as far as the police officers who murdered her being prosecuted that has not happened and when it happens i definitely will uh, bring it up and we'll talk about that okay i'm gonna take another break short break and we will be right back hi this is d at black girls do everything and i'm closing up this episode i just wanted to share that the opinions in these podcasts are those of the owner. I am not a medical professional. I have done my 350 hours for substance and abuse counseling. And basically, it's based on my opinion and the opinions of my guests. None of the episode is to be recorded without the written permission of the owner. I hope that you and your family are doing well. I hope that you're getting through this pandemic as best as you can. I pray that enough of us get the vaccine, that this so-called herd immunity will kick in, and by the summer we will be able to get out and about a little bit more. But in the meantime, please wear your mask in consideration of others. If you're on the fence about getting the vaccine, please get as much information as you can from 
reputable sources, the CDC, the World Health Organization, your physician, and be well and stay safe.